0: Hey everyone, this is Denton. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. I wanted to take just a minute here at the beginning and say the same thing we've said at the beginning of the past two podcasts, that our discussion today will deal to a certain extent with sex and sexuality. And so we want to give you a heads up on that, make sure that you're aware. If you're listening with children, you may want to just listen to this ahead of time before you allow them to listen. It's nothing explicit, but it is things that could bring up topics that maybe your child isn't ready for yet. And so we would encourage you as parents to listen to this ahead of time before you allow your children to listen. Thank you so much.
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of Empires of the Future. We are looking at and getting towards the end of Carl Truman's book, Uh, Strange New World. Did you forget what it was called, Jackson? I think I did. (laughs) It's... When you take a book, and you know, Brave New World, which I guess he's playing off of, yeah. but Brave New World's been in my head now for 20 years. So every time I say this book, I think it's Brave New World. No, it's not. <laughs> Strange New World. Yeah, uh, which for some reason is less catchy. Yeah.
0: Um, so, so. Let me quiz you on this. What's the subtitle? <laughs> right. What is it? No, I have no idea. <laughs> How thinkers and activists redefined identity and sparked the sexual revolution. I just knew that off the top of my head. Yeah,
1: I'm sure you did. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. I did. (laughs) Uh, Well, what we're talking about today, look, it's a a pretty lightning rod kind of issue in today's culture. Um, But here's the thing. Uh, God knows and we know that sexuality is both powerful and dangerous and important and fundamental. And really, uh, I mean, goodness, so many issues we're going to go into today, but one of the questions is how fundamental? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's where we really want to land. And I mean, spoiler, spoiler alert, very fundamental. Uh, And so we'll get there, but I appreciate what we're going to look at is sort of um, a short history of sort of the LGBTQ plus movement and changes that have occurred. I think that uh, obviously we're all aware in a lot of ways of changes that have occurred, but it's important to kind of take stock of that because we're going to get to, okay, but where does this uh, movement stand today and does it look different from the outside versus the inside. And, and, and I think it does.
0: You mean from the outside of the LGBTQ movement right. to the inside? Yeah. I don't know what it looks like on the inside.
1: Right. And and so an analysis, I mean, you appreciate, this is how academic works uh, are helpful yeah. to, to take time both to interview, compile research and news reports uh, about uh, different angles on an issue for the purpose of, okay, Here, here is what is going on. Here are some things that are happening uh, within this movement. So he starts with this, this claim that I think most people would identify as true. Uh, the coalition of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people is without a doubt the greatest political success story of the last half century.
0: Yeah. So in other words, the LGBTQ plus movement. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, considering... Uh, 1960s homosexuality is still illegal in many Western countries. Um, I remember this. Do you remember uh, Barack Obama having different positions on this?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that was such a wild thing. That um, uh, when he ran for his first term, I think right, he was saying, "No, I'm, I'm not um, wanting to, to legalize homosexuality or homosexual marriage. Homosexuality was not illegal, but same-sex marriage was not a, a concept yet. And even Barack Obama was like opposed to that in yep. 2000 was it eight yep. uh, then in 2012 kind of shifted
1: right and and keep in mind that uh, the way politicians in general work is they assess public opinion and mm-hmm. literally when the polls move past say a 50 percent mark all of a sudden uh, they have a new opinion yeah um and so this is one thing just to note that uh support for gay marriage in general in in a democratic country such as ours. There was a shift that occurred from 2008 to 2012 um, because as politicians do, uh, Barack Obama had supported gay marriage when he was a senator, but then... Uh, a lot of people uh, move their opinions around when they're running for president, and yeah. and so you had that. Um, and so he didn't. He didn't support gay marriage uh, at first, and in fact spoke against it, uh, and then spoke for it in 2012. Yeah.
0: Doesn't that too? Do, i like, I I don't I don't hate politicians or anything like that. Um, but doesn't that sort of make a lot of politicians seem very spineless when you see their position moving with the cultural times, and uh, they're opposed to something at times vehemently, but then uh, for it when they find it to be advantageous to them in their career to be for it. And even, you know, their policies will change accordingly. Like they'll begin voting differently because of how they feel like them being perceived as for that thing is going to be good for their career. Right. It it It, makes me think, man, they are a spineless bunch, a lot of them.
1: It takes advantage of the fact that, I mean, one of our human weaknesses is we are – there are constantly little humans being born. People came of age between 2008 and 2012 and literally went, oh, I, I don't remember the fact that he was ever against uh, gay marriage, and so it doesn't make a big difference to me. Mm-hmm. Um, And and that's—it's it, so strange. I mean, anybody—I uh, think most people would agree that it's just strange getting older because, to me, uh, the presidency of Barack Obama is, doesn't feel like that long ago because— you know, I was an adult working in pretty much the same job uh, that I'm working in now. Uh, and we relate to change based upon how much we're changing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And uh, and so politicians and politics in general is about, uh, I think, exploiting weaknesses in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. exploiting opinions and change of opinions. And so, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. It just it uses a weakness of uh, being human.
0: Yeah which is maybe why a lot of politicians who have a spine don't make it very far. I don't know. Maybe. But that's I'm getting way too political here. I'm sorry. We could step away from that that topic. But yeah, it's been interesting to see um, sort of how the the LGBTQ movement has has grown in even just a short amount of time. It's just I mean, you can't hardly go a few days without hearing the the terms LGBTQ if you listen sure. to the news or the radio, um, you're going to hear these things and you're going to hear them often and not very often in a negative light, but always in a a good light.
1: Right. Um, And it's in part, I think it's taken advantage of sort of the dominance of progressive ideology that, well, it's time for people who are uh, attracted to the same gender to have all the rights uh, that everybody else has this is this is sort of the stated intent uh, well look uh homosexuality has been documented in history since since ancient greece yeah. since the beginning of the western world uh yes if you want to trace the beginning of that change to where uh, well one gay marriage wasn't desired at that time necessarily because marriage is a christian idea uh and so Marriage has been tied historically to children. uh, And so, since uh, homosexual activity doesn't lead to children or a household uh, in in a pagan world, sex is just sex uh, in a lot of ways. But Christians have historically and continue to tie sex to marriage because that protects the important, powerful nature of sex and then also protects a family, which is, uh, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, uh, sex should lead to children in yeah. general. That, that is the biological purpose, um, and not every heterosexual sex act leads to children, but that is uh, one of the primary purposes, and it, it binds a man and a woman together. And so uh, a part of this that is strange is there is ignorance as related to what is typically sort of been uh uh, the the ideal lifestyle of homosexuality um tied to progressive ideas um but then as marriages come to be seen as a means of Mm self-expression rather than a safe place and a consistent place for children to be born uh what people want to use marriage for has changed. And that's how we ended up where we are today. But the strangest thing about today is this, uh, to voice dissent on um, any of the related terms, LGBTQ plus is not welcome. Yeah. And I think the first thing that that we should say is, um, look in a pluralistic society, we have got to figure out how to, live in the same community, Um, but that doesn't mean we all have to agree with each other or affirm each other. And there's a a locomotive running at each other, which is, do other people have to affirm my Christian beliefs? No, I don't think so. But in the same way, I don't have to affirm other beliefs, uh, Mm -hmm. other ideologies, such as... Uh, lgbtq ideologies
0: yeah yeah the just the shift over you know think about the past 50 years say and you see the shift of um lesbian gay bisexual relationships and lifestyles being so um at that time uh I don't know you might say stigmatized uh so frowned upon to today where it's a complete reversal where not where those things are not only no longer frowned upon but celebrated and not only celebrated any descent to those kinds of lifestyles is not tolerated in any shape form or fashion right um and so you know you maybe for a while in the early early days of the movement would hear things like and ideas like well let's just live our lives let them live theirs it's fine they can have uh have whatever they want their way we'll we'll do things our way just leave each other alone how long did that last like like five minutes where it quickly moved from no longer is it, well, you can have your opinion, I'll have mine. You can live your life, I'll have mine. To now, no, you need to not only accept or allow me to live my life, but you need to accept it as good and and celebrate it. And if you don't, then then the stigma is now on you. Right. And so what we're going
1: to do here um, and, and what this chapter outlines is— what is happening uh, within the LGBTQ movement, how we got to where we are now, because this is going somewhere, and, and it's pretty clear where it's going. Uh, the situation that we have right now politically, where it is useful for political parties to engage a voting bloc, uh, is not helpful for civility it is not helpful to create a path forward because what it does is it creates more culture war. It creates more uh, anger, frustration. Um, but what we have here is if the movement uh, of the Republican Party of conservatives was not there as an enemy, as a perceived enemy uh, of the LGBTQ uh, movement, well, this movement has fault lines within it, uh, and they're present and evident. Recently, I listened to a debate about this issue, and, and uh, one of the <coughs> people who was involved in this debate is uh, from the UK, where there is no, and in memory, in living memory, there's no sort of religious right. Uh, and this person was ready to say, look, we have a lot to work out here, um, but the person who was from this country is saying, no, if, if only there weren't conservatives, there would be basically peace. Everything would be working. And, and I just don't think that's true. Right. And, and I think that that's the case we're going to make about it. And so, um, this, this connection, this grouping together of LGBTQ is, he titles it, uh, Carl Truman as a marriage of convenient, a grouping of different ideas under the same umbrella. And they are genuinely different ideas, uh, and so we want to be clear about that. And so the first idea that is really different is that they differ on the nature and status of sex.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here, what does that mean? Uh, homosexuality in men has been more about the sex act itself, typically. Um, but with women, it's typically been more about affection and companionship versed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and so as a, as a primary issue, and if you ask, okay, well, when, when did that change? Well, it really changed with the AIDS crisis of the 1980s, is that this, this tied the two into a common struggle, the lesbian group and the, gay, uh, the group of uh, gay men. And so the AIDS crisis led to a focus on AIDS research, sex education, and this goal of acceptance of gay and lesbian People in greater society. Um, And so, this shared sense of struggle and victimhood, and a shared understanding of biological sex differences, and pay close attention to that phrase biological sex differences, which means it matters what a man is and it matters Mm -hmm. what a woman is. and a shared aversion to what they call a heteronormative society, the expectation that men will be with women and women will be with men, that is what tied these groups together. And this, this third element is going to be important later. This aversion to a heteronormative society is important uh, to tie in the later groups. How do these other later groups come in? But first, this is, uh, this is powerful for me because having been born in 1980, I remember... I mean, frankly, I remember as a kid seeing all kinds of commercials about, hey, AIDS, about—I I remember seeing news stories about the AIDS epidemic. I didn't know what was going on exactly, but I knew there was an AIDS epidemic. Um, do you remember—I mean, that, yeah. obviously, you're uh, over 10 years younger than me, but yeah. do you—so you have no memory of, like, public service announcements. I remember commercials. It was just a major— discussion point. Yeah.
0: Not, yeah. not really for me. I was born in 92. Um, and so by the time I was old enough to remember things, I think understandings around AIDS and kind of how it spreads and, um, just, I think by that time we had a better understanding of exactly what it was right. and, and things like that. And so, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I had a, a sense growing up, even, you know, getting into like high school and stuff, I had a sense of what AIDS was as far as it was a disease. It was not a very good disease, Uh, It was it was deadly essentially, Um, but I had no idea. Even you know, getting into high school wasn't until then that I realized that uh, kind of how it was transmitted and things like that. I think for me, um, in college, I watched the movie um, for one of my classes, Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. with Tom Hanks. Um, That was one of the first times I began to, and then through like a documentary I saw and things like that, that I came to kind of understand that the AIDS epidemic and the AIDS crisis back in like the 80s and stuff. So no, but for me, it was not something that I grew up with so much as learned about in a more historic nature.
1: Right. And this, you know, uh, it's always hard to remember uh, when sort of kind of public service service announcements stop. And uh, and there's... Part of the challenge is there's always things going on that, are, that need to be talked about. And so I just remember this well. And, and so this is an important milestone uh, that tied together uh, lesbians and gays into a coalition, which historically had not been. Uh, right. Look, uh, feminism opposes uh, male privilege, uh, masculinity. I mean, there's a division.
0: Right. So, 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 um, lesbians largely kind of the issue they took with gay men was that they, although they were gay and maybe faced stigma due to that, they still experienced in their mind the, the, you know, blessings, the benefits that come from being male. And so for them, there really wasn't until, um, the AIDS crisis, there really wasn't a a large sense of like, we have that much in common with these. Uh, this other group, they still enjoy a lot more privileges than we do. There was still a, a sort of a victim hierarchy, I think. Yeah. But they came together, like you said, out of a marriage of convenience. But the difference comes then. Um, I don't know if we want to go ahead and get to that. Whenever you add in the T mm-hmm. to LGBT, um, because there are at least understandings with between lesbianism and homosexuality, and like, <laughs> I don't want to. Don't even really know how to say it. I don't want to say gays. But uh, between lesbians and gay men, um, there was at least still, they, they had in common an understanding necessarily of biological differences and a difference between men and women. Um, that was necessary for, for their understanding and, and their framework. Um, that, is, that changes when you begin to get to the trans movement. Right.
1: Right, and, and I mean clearest way to say this, and this is the way Carl Truman states it, quote, the addition of the T to LGB is incoherent. Why? Well, look, if you say, as a woman, I am attracted to women, there is content to that assertion. We know what a woman is. If we know what a woman is, that statement makes sense. But if you're saying, what is a woman? Well, it's whatever I define it to be and whatever I might feel, which is literally the usual statement within transgender mm-hmm. ideology, mm-hmm. you no longer are a lesbian. And if, if you think this sounds a little bit too obscure, no, this is playing out in news stories right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, that someone uh, is attracted to someone uh, of the same gender, but then that person feels that they are not that gender any longer. Well, uh, I mean, we're reading about this. Am I a lesbian if I'm attracted to someone who doesn't identify as a woman? And there's a whole host of incoherent struggles that Mm -hmm. then uh, accompany that. But this is clear. It is incoherent to say you are same-sex attracted if sex doesn't mean anything. If, if, If biological sex is whatever you think it might be if yep. if and if gender is whatever you define it as uh well then that's incoherent then then there's nothing in there there's no content to that assertion if gender is a yep. construct
0: and it, it it makes me wonder like man how did these groups not see this when they first sort of partnered up when they developed this co- coalition i guess um how did they not see this issue because for what it means to be a lesbian or be gay is that I as a woman am attracted to women or I am as a man am attracted to men. And then the transgender movement and and those people come along and say, "Ah, yes, but you can be a man even though you don't have male parts. You can be a woman even though you were born a man." And how did they not see Okay, well that doesn't really compute. Like I don't I don't even really understand other than mutual victimhood, uh, as they perceived it, I don't understand how the two can even see themselves as working together whenever there's such differences. Because where where the L, G, and B necessarily understand a, a sex binary to an extent and a, and a difference in genders, a gender binary, that's necessary for their understanding of their sexuality, the T says the opposite. The transgender movement says, no, actually, those things are all Fluid, they're arbitrary, and and somehow they were able to still kind of partner up with them in a sense.
1: Well, right, and it's it's tied to extreme individualism, uh, to where you just never question what someone says is going on within them. But then the other thing is that um, you don't necessarily, in order to, uh, in order to raise money, in order to uh, have a lobbying group. Uh, you don't need a on-the-ground relationship-style community as much as you need the perception of that network and that community. And, and then, uh, I mean, look, we, we are, I mean, we've been trained. Part of the whole point of this book is we've been trained in individualism for so long that we kind of don't recognize it anymore, that we all to some degree like the idea in the Western world and, and – America being the tip of the individualized Western world, we like the idea that I can become anything that I want to be, and um, and we don't use our words very carefully. If we're careful, we know that that's not true, that I, I, I can't just change everything about myself. I can't be as tall as I want. I can't have any ability that I want. I can't be, you know, 10 times better at math than I am, for instance. But we have loved these ideas for so long that it's leading us to confusion. It's leading us to utter confusion. Um, And so on this issue, and he goes into detail that really I don't think we need to go into too much detail. There is some philosophical basis in Marx and Nietzsche about uh, this decline, uh, Marx about the decline in importance on physical power in men uh, so that women have a stronger seat at the table, but then also, Nietzsche, uh, the importance of the will. Um, but I think this quote from Simone de Beauvoir is important. Uh, this, this is one of the bases for it. Uh, she said, quote, One is not born, but rather becomes woman. No biological, psychic, or economic destiny defines the figure that the human female takes on in society. It is civilization as a whole that elaborates this intermediary product between the male and the eunuch that is called feminine. So this is a bold statement, but she's basically saying gender is a performance. And here's the thing. I mean, sociology is a funny discipline because, yes, uh, the expectation of gender roles does vary to a degree across societies, but not so much. There's not been any society historically where, for instance, men carry babies because that's in their... uh, biological ability um, men don't gestate babies um right okay but aren't there gender roles that vary they vary but not in some sort of wildly incoherent pattern right and and, and so there is a shred of truth mm-hmm. but not enough to take the whole store which is in a lot of ways what the claim is now that well since there is such a thing as gender roles therefore gender is meaningless. Well, you haven't proven that point even at all. Not, you haven't even begun to prove that point.
0: Right. And although, you know, gender norms might vary from culture to culture, place to place, historically they have always been intrinsically tied to biology as well. Right. That the reality of male and fe- female has had an impact and a relation to gender differences. Right. That's always been the case, and you can't just, you you can't deny that.
1: Right. I mean, uh, you have s- some basic things. The, the nurturing instinct increases in childbearing. Uh, you, you have certain things. Men, since men in general are physically stronger, tend to play a more protective role, but also need to. Societies have had a mechanism to protect women who are in general physically weaker from men. These are things that have, have persisted throughout societies because of basic biological facts. And what we're getting at in this is that there literally is a move to throw out and, and deny the existence of these basic biological facts. And that is to the peril of women first, yeah. but society in general second, uh, we can't do it. it. It is bad. Bad in particular for women, because uh, a part of what progressive ideology has done is to say, well, we should be past these notions and then gone ahead and done things like uh, put men and women on the same football field, people who are born male and born woman, and even when someone claims, well, I'm now a woman, put on the same football field or soccer field or uh, rugby field, very physical sports, and what it amounts to then is the person who was born male breaks the bones much more often of
0: the women that's exactly right and you we there was an instance not that long ago where a um a quote-unquote trans woman in other words a biological male who was um posing as a woman uh, but was not was had entered into a ufc ring with a biological woman and now I don't know how much they paid this this actual woman to get into the ring with this man, but hopefully it was a lot because she straight up got the snot beat out of her. And you saw the biological realities coming to the surface. As much as this, uh, this man might have been on some sort of hormone therapy, as much as he might have been wearing women's clothes, right. the biological realities came to the surface real quick as you saw this actual female, this woman, who had much better form, much better skill than this, than this dude. And yet who left with like broken facial bones? It was her. Right. Right. And
1: then actually, uh, on, on this issue, uh, we, there's a podcast I believe in season two that is all about biological sex differences. Um, and so that is, there's a lot more to be said about that, but this is just one of the issues that we're facing today Um, And so there are three just really important kind of clarifying factors about this. To move to this idea that gender and biological sex are completely unrelated is unfounded and absurd. It's just you can't say that. And if you do it, it is physically harmful to people. It puts people in peril, in literal physical peril. And it puts women most of the time in peril. And, and to believe that, to believe that gender and biological sex are just completely unrelated to each other, that one doesn't have anything to do with the other, that requires you to believe some of the things that we've been stating, but I want to I restate them. One, that inner psychology is the ultimate authority, that whatever you think determines reality. Uh, two, that technology to change genders exists. And here's the thing about this. One, there is some basic technology and some basic ideas about this, but we are not able to do this well. Right. This is at the beginning, but the beginning of this means we're not doing this uh, to anyone's satisfaction. And you have got to read up on this. Mm-hmm if you really want to know what's going on, mm-hmm. we're not able to create alternate sex organs right. to to very much uh, effectiveness. No. And so it's an issue. Many of these issues, the, the thing about this is it's not being talked about because the ideas are so far out in front of the reality. Well, and, and what we're saying is the ideas are not coherent with reality. It's not that... Uh, the ideas are in front as much as this is not going to work. Right. And wherever you are on this, please look at reality of what is actually happening on the ground, because it's a lot of disappointment, Mm -hmm. regret, struggle. And look, as Christians, we want to say, Look, we want to help those who are struggling, but part of the beginning of helping is telling the truth Mm -hmm. about where we are. And so the technology to change genders is the second thing. First, interpsychology is the ultimate authority. Second, the technology to change genders exists. And then three, a powerful lobby group and an attractive media presence. That's how you get to where we are. And those three elements uh, are pretty different from each other. And it's hard to really sort out exactly what's happening with each of them for various reasons. Cause I don't know anyone who has a degree in psychology and in plastic surgery yeah. and in political science uh, and is up to date on how this movement is happening. You don't have that. So since there's a lot of movement on this issue, it's not clear what's happening, but that's the whole purpose of this particular podcast is to make a little more clear how this is moving forward and how it isn't.
0: Right. And and I would argue, as I look at those three things, only one of those is even true. So inner psychology as the ultimate authority, well, that's false. I know people right. want to claim it and they want to make it their ultimate authority, but it is not the ultimate authority. So that's false. Uh, the fact that there is technology that allows you to change genders, no, that's false too. Right. Uh, no matter how much you might want to, gender transition um, doesn't exist. And gender affirming surgery, quote unquote, doesn't exist. Because there are biological realities that you can't that you can't change, and no matter how much you might wish that you could, and you know, I think there are there are still some um, in the trans movement that would say, "Well, no, no, you're conflating biology with gender. You're creating, uh, mistaking the two. You're intermingling them." But really, I would argue they are in someone seeking to transition. What is that? You're seeking to change the biology of your person, right. and so the conflation isn't made by me. It's made by you was you say this is gender affirming surgery when in reality no you're looking to affect biology so right. I'm not the one that's brought biology into the into the reality it's you and the fact of the matter is you cannot change your biology and you cannot change your gender you can feel different you can wish you could but you can't and so neither one of those two exists the only one that actually exists is a powerful lobby group and an attractive media presence and I would say and, and especially a uh, even a social media presence. Right. And here is what is the case, is that lobbyist groups, uh, media presence, and, and social media are all on the side of the LGBTQ movement. So therefore, yes, that does give them a great amount of power that even though the other two are false, they can largely and have ridden the wave of having media and social media uh, on their side and lobby, lobby groups. On their side to where the movement has still pushed forward mm. while you know you can look up it doesn't really take that much effort even to find stories of people who have quote unquote transitioned and then later regretted it right immensely immensely and it's not just one or two stories it's right. a whole host of people who have gone through these terrible surgeries and mutilated their bodies and and just experienced such regret later for various reasons some for emotional and psychological reasons some for just the pain and suffering that they go through because of what they've done to their body. But you want to know what happens? You don't ever hear about those things on the news. You don't ever see those things on social media. Uh, You can go and search those things out, but they're largely suppressed while at the same time, the success stories or the, the message that they want to get out there is put forward by the media and by social media. Right.
1: Right. And so, uh, as far as this LGBTQ coalition, uh, what we've said is one, they differ on the nature and status of sex. Uh, two, the addition of the T to LGBT is incoherent. And one thing that I, I certainly I uh, had not seen until just recently, uh, third, trans ideology has divided feminism. Uh, and we sort of, you can see the beginning of this and what we talked about earlier, that look, if male privilege is the primary problem in the world, uh, then should we allow men into the alliance? Isn't biology still vital? Uh, this is These are very profound questions within feminism right now. And the history of women in society is tied to menstruation. It is tied to the capacity to get pregnant. And when you want to include someone who can't get pregnant, that is a fundamentally different move than what the history of women has been uh, from the beginning. There's a lot more that could be said about this, but that's straightforward. Uh, and, and it's trans ideology has divided feminism, but to all these things you might go, well, why is this not clear? And it goes to the one reality that you brought up a minute ago, because there is a powerful lobby group and an attractive media presence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I think this is a good point to mention um, that... There are a few different ideas about how to approach this within Christianity. Uh, Rod Dreher has proposed this idea called the Benedict Option, that, look, this culture, I mean, according to Rod Dreher, he says, look, this culture has decided uh, they're going to try radical individualism. And all we are accomplishing right now uh, as a group of Christians, say, if you tie together and added together all of the Christians in America is make people angry to say, why aren't you letting us do what we want to do? And this is sort of a kind of a, it's an idea that basically says, let's just isolate ourselves. Let's just back off and leave this culture to sort itself out Mm -hmm. because then these differences will be clear. And that's true, but the problem is that the idea behind being involved in this country is that people should look for the common good and then work toward it. We should care about our neighbors right. enough to right. to go, well, I, I don't want to see you dissolve into chaos. Right. I, I, I want to care about you. That has been... That has been the idea in a lot of ways behind <coughs> America is that we vote for what we believe is the common good, not just our own interests. And, and this is, I think, one of the biggest things about politics that has been lost is that we tend to think, oh, I should just vote my, my desires. Well, it's about more than your desires. I mean, this is why it, citizenship is primary and fundamental to what it is to be an American because if you don't care about the common good all you are doing is promoting power for your tribe and if that sounds familiar that is in a lot of ways where we are but the end of that is just strife and civil war I mean in, in the worst case uh, and, and that so that's not the way that was nobody's idea that the, the, there is no idea behind America that just goes oh this is The goal is tribalism. In fact, knowing about the histories of the wars that had gone on in Europe, what they say is watch out for partisan politics. Partisan politics is dangerous. If you dissolve into tribalism, I mean, and what does the scripture say? Be careful of strife. Be careful of dissensions and factions and various words that you can assign to groups of people who align in a lot of ways? Align based upon their dislikes, yeah. align based upon what they hate. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous. Y- you will affirm each other in your hatred, and then do evil things because people agree with you. Mm-hmm. That hating the other guy. Uh, this is a this is a problem common to humanity. Uh, it, is, it is a part of the sinful nature that we are pretty blind to now and blind at our peril. I mean, this is dangerous where we are to be blind to this, um, but we are blind to it. And so I, I mention that those are two pretty broad kind of ideas about how to approach this, but it has been, it's not been clear that there are these sort of fault lines within
0: the LGBTQ uh,
1: alliance, uh, but they are there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you're right. So that's sort of uh, the Benedict option. It's sort of like a neo monastic uh, sort of approach, a uh, uh, withdrawal to an extent from the culture, from cultural engagement, right?
1: Right. I wonder if it might appeal to libertarians. Well, I don't know, uh, maybe exactly, but
0: maybe. But here, here's where my mind goes with regards to that, and why we as Christians ought not take that approach is because I don't think that that is the loving and caring approach. If we come to the conclusion that these things. Uh, essentially everything wrapped up up in the LGBTQ agenda, if we come to the conclusion, as the Bible ought to bring us to, that these things are bad, not just bad in the sense of they are sinful, but that they are bad for human flourishing, and that those who are engaging in in these things and living this lifestyle, that it is for their worse, and that they will suffer because of it. And and I I believe that to be the case. It is unloving of me to wash my hands of that. And say no, nope, don't care. It would be just as, just like if I were to see someone walking uh, and and gonna walk off a cliff, and I just look and say, well, that stinks. But if that's the way they want to walk, that's the way they want to walk, right. uh, not knowing that it, they're gonna walk off a cliff. And now, if they refuse to listen to me, if they refuse my my pleas and my encouragements, that that is a road leading to destruction. And they walk off that cliff, then then it's not on me at that point. But it is it is the love of the Christian. That compels us to step in and and speak truth uh, to a society that so desperately needs it. Um, Number one, this is in the way of the culture, or, or excuse me, this is in the way of the gospel. We preach the gospel to those that are lost because ultimately every lost person is heading towards the cliff. Right And and apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that he died on the cross and took the penalty for our sin, that by faith in him, we might be united to him in his death, burial, and resurrection. We might have new life uh, and might be forgiven of our sins rather than face the wrath of God. That's the good news of the gospel that everyone so desperately needs to hear, um, and we ought to be proclaiming that. But even beyond that, our Christian love ought to guide us to say, no, these things, things that the LGBTQ Group has to offer are not good, and they are not good for you. They're not good for the people that practice them. They're not good for society. That's the right. loving approach. That's the loving thing to do, and we ought to, as Christians, be very careful that we are letting our love guide us, not our anger, not our vitriol, not um, any of those things, because that can happen. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. This is not about uh, maintaining a power block. Uh, look, Politics looms large right now, but what we have to be after is asking every day, what is the most loving thing for me to do in all the situations I find myself in? And look, that's going to be challenging, and that is fundamentally—what we believe is that (laughs) Jesus loved all the people he came in contact with. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't disagree with quite a few people, but you can disagree because you love someone, and that's— Hard to understand, I think, at first, but it, it is, uh, the nature of love is to desire someone else's good, Amen. and if you've ever had children, if you've ever been in a situation where you've committed to someone, you will notice sometimes that you, it's not always going to be easy and happy, but the struggle is worth it, That's right. so, uh, there's a few more things in here that, um. We were talking ahead of time about this word we had not seen before <laughs> called the Yogyakarta principles. Yogyakarta principles on Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity, and that is a word I have certainly never seen before, but it's named after the Indonesian city where these principles were instituted. What is interesting about these principles is this language, which which sounds similar to some of the languages of, say, the, the American founding, some of the statements of the American founding. So, for instance, quote, all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. Uh, well, depending on what you mean <laughs> by free, uh, we, we've already talked about in a previous uh, session uh, of this book that we are born struggling and and need someone to care for us. And I think that's a incredibly powerful and important metaphor for the fact that we have got to at every point in our lives have relationship and you have to figure out how you're going to have enough personal stability that relationships are possible. Um, and so, but, but we don't have to nitpick too much yet. Uh, because look, we do believe that people are equal in dignity and depending on how you define rights, uh, you know, we, we have typically understood, well, people don't have the right to attack other people. Right. And that's when we begin to take away rights. That's when police can arrest people, for instance. Um, but then the next movement uh, gets a little deeper. All human rights are universal, interdependent, indivisible, and interrelated. I think you can begin to see there, it's like, well, depending on what you're saying, uh, maybe, but... Uh, Probably the, the words in there, what do you mean by rights, would be a question. And, and so right. it becomes clear as we get to this next section. Uh, sexual orientation and gender identity, they say, are integral to every person's dignity and humanity and must not be the basis for discrimination or abuse. I think the first word there to deal with is discrimination. What, what do we mean when we talk about discrimination?
0: Uh, well, the word discrimination has become something I don't think it was in its origins and what the word was originally intended to mean. Because, you know, if you really break down the word discriminate or discrimination, um, it's not a bad word. It's basically selecting some and not others. Right. So we might, um, in our daily lives, discriminate on where we go eat lunch. Right. Um, I right, ate, You pick somewhere. I, that's right. I ate lunch today at Panera. And thereby discriminated against all other restaurants simply because they were not Panera. I discriminated because I wanted Panera. Um, Colleges discriminate on who they allow into their universities based on grades, um, academic performance, things like that. Um, And so the word discriminate or discrimination originally didn't have negative connotations, but it's developed negative connotations as it's been applied to things like race, where uh, what was beginning to happen, and, and this, was, this is all true and, and evil, is that people were being discriminated upon negatively because of their race. Um, and so people were uh, barred from restaurants. They were barred from um, certain events. They had to use certain uh, areas and, and doors and and water fountains places and buses, all these kinds of things. Right. That is a form of discrimination that is bad. It's based on uh, on race. And so here we see the word discriminate now applied to sexual, uh, sexual orientation or gender identity, which, and one of the other problems is, it's described as integral to every person's dignity and humanity. Whoa, whoa. How did we all of a sudden decide that? That a person's... Sexual orientation or and gender identity are, are integral to their dignity and humanity. Um, they just assert that without any discussion ahead of time. It's just asserted. Um, and these, I think it needs to be said, these uh, Yogi Arta principles, as they talked about them, although they're not, you maybe don't know the name, they are largely kind of the guiding principles that, as especially Western cultures have to begun to, pass and make legislation regarding um, what they call uh, SOGI issues, which would be sexual orientation and gender identity issues. They use the Yogi, Yogi Akarta principles as kind of um, their guide as to for the, how they create these policies and things. And so even though you may not know the name, you're seeing the fruits of it right. in culture as, uh, as laws are being made and policies enacted.
1: Right, and... It- there are many things that could be said about one of the issues with this. Here is the clearest way to say it. If my gender identity is whatever I determine right now, and I may have a different one in a day or a week, then there's no mechanism by which to keep that up, to notify all the people you may come in contact with, nor should there be, because it is untenable. You can't work, uh, we have these fundamental categories of male and female that we've been operating off of that then provide mechanisms for how do we, how do we address people? Which restroom should I use? Uh, What is reasonable to say to someone? All this is tied fundamentally to gender identity, to, to what it is to be an engendered human being, a male or a female, um, but here is the, the definition of, okay, if you want to follow these principles, literally, what is claimed is, if you want to follow Yogyakarta principles, uh, your sexual attraction is defined by this. Well, you look inside yourself and decide what you want. Th- there is nothing deeper than that. If you want, the detailed language involves searching uh, particular feelings and affections But it it is fundamentally simply that, look inside yourself and decide what you want. That's your sexual attraction. The definition under these principles of gender identity is similar. Look inside yourself and change what you want. Well, look, here are the issues with that. One, literally anyone or anything could fit into this. What are the limits? This does not prevent, just first of all, the one that people often hear about now, this does not prevent attraction to children. But it does not prevent attraction to animals. It does not prevent because you you're using the language. Decide what you are about. Decide what you want. What you who and what you are attracted to. Um, second thing, this may change. It will, and you'll be liable if you don't keep up. Third, if external sex organs mean nothing, there is a lot of disagreement about. Well, what should be done with children, who, when they are born, it is very plain if they are male or female. Right. Uh, And and there are some very strange ideas about uh, about this is this is sort of the cutting edge right now. Well, if it is so, uh, if it is so challenging to determine someone's gender, then we need to do. We need to block puberty from happening to a child so that at some point they can decide what gender they are and for anyone who thinks well that's that's too far it it is too far but that is that is what is coming Mm -hmm. with these ideas and you've got to see that what one generation accepts the other the next generation will proliferate um, but then, fourthly, there there is this mention of the right to found a family. Uh, founding a family is not a given, even under natural law, even in a, a marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, reproductive technologies, which we have not gotten into at all, they are very expensive, they are inefficient, uh, they they just don't work uh, a lot of the time, and they all but they always do cost money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say we've both read the same news story this week uh, about uh, a married gay couple, uh, two men in California, who wanted to adopt a boy or wanted to uh, have a boy through in vitro fertilization, but they got a girl and are suing over this.
0: I haven't heard about this.
1: This is... This is a... Powerful example of how problematic. I mean, the the numbers on this: it cost them three hundred thousand dollars to achieve this child that they now are suing the company over.
0: Yeah, that's so sad. And and here's the thing: is there's a part of me that wants to almost like laugh, like, oh man, you put all this money to come up with this really wild way to produce a child and get exactly what you want, and then it didn't work out for you. But then you realize. This is an actual human life now. This this girl that has been brought into the world into this man. What a, what a crappy situation. How are you going to explain this? How is anyone going to explain this to her? You know that what I just. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking that we live in a in a society that this would even be a thought that I can just pay any amount of money uh, in order to achieve exactly what I want mm-hmm. in in birth, even regardless of mine and my partners. Um, makeup or our gender identity or anything like that right. it just it's so sad I, yeah, I haven't heard that but it's really sad and here's another problem and he says this in the book is that basically the idea of a family then is completely destroyed Uh, Because a family now has become something of a commodity, something of a, you know, when it's seen as a right, what is my right Right. to be able to get married and have kids? And if science can, and technology can make it happen, then then it's my right. He says in the book, he says that to claim that having a family is a right is therefore to turn the family into a therapeutic phenomenon, something that exists primarily to make the parents feel good. And that's largely what has happened. And that's just so ridiculous that parenthood and the family becomes about us and something that is, as we've talked about, completely self serving. This is this is expressive individualism. All things, even including our family and our children, become about us, either a means to or obstacles to our happiness. Right.
1: Right. And and look, it is for our good that everything's not about us. And and that's that's a challenge. Look, we, we start as children who who want everything to be about us. And in a lot of ways, our desires are so strong and our needs are so great as children that we are trained to think uh, and to learn that everything is not about us. Uh, but but in, in tying this up, uh, here's the issue. This is working itself out daily in some very, very problematic ways. You could think of sports, uh, which we have talked about already. You think about prisons, uh, which if you have not read, there's a story just recently that they put a person who considered themselves uh, female. Uh, he was born male and claimed that he had transitioned to be a woman, though he still had male sex organs, and raped women in a prison. When we whole cloth just adopt this ideology without thinking through what we are doing you are leading to these kinds of issues and this is not to mention things like uh, hospitals particularly mental hospitals where we have because of the biological need separated men and women in a lot of instances because biology requires it when self-control is not present you have to protect certain people first of all women Uh, and, and we are losing that. We, we are leaving that behind. We're coming blind to it because of this ideology.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you realize how much is of society is shaped by the, by the gender binary, um, you realize just how much is at stake if we then begin to just forsake this entirely. I mean, as you've already said, bathrooms, locker rooms, prisons, sports teams, hospitals etc all of these things are battlegrounds now and areas that if we're going to are, if we are going to adopt this mentality have to be completely reworked redone or overthrown entirely um and you know we maybe think of some that's and we think well that you know okay so sports is different yeah but it doesn't end at sports it ends like you said it prisons and hospitals and in the locker rooms like Man, this is no minor thing. This is an uprooting and turning on its head of of society as it stands today, and it's it's a major thing.
1: Right, and, it, and it's marching forward. I mean, uh, <clears throat> Bostock decision in 2020 prohibited discrimination against transgender individuals in the workplace under Title VII, uh, and and that had been tied to race, Title VII, but extended it in the workplace, and they said it's a narrow decision. It it, ex, it extends. To the workplace but that led to President Biden signing an executive order preventing quote preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation and that began to apply these same ideas in education mm-hmm. in colleges and other educational yeah. spaces and uh, where we where do we stand now where, where we stand is it's not just in government last year in 2021 Ryan Anderson's book when Harry Became Sally, which is a provocative title, but that's how all titles are in our day, was removed from Amazon while, so this is, this is so controversial that it can't be sold, but meanwhile, uh, Mao, Chairman Mao of China, uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, my struggle, uh, Stalin, and even Ted Kaczynski, uh, the, the Unabomber, and, and his works are being sold still on Amazon are these ideas, which, until the last ten years, the majority of people believed that maleness and femaleness are foundational? Look, not just to society; their entire languages. If if if, uh, no, if 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 one is not familiar with languages like uh, Spanish uh, or uh, others, where Masculine and feminine uh, is applied to every noun uh, because historically there is a deep sense that gender is foundational to existence, to, to what it is. We believe as Christians that we will be in resurrected bodies, that I will be male forever. My, my body will be raised it is not incidental that I am male. It is a part of creation order, who God created me to be, to be celebrated. And that is what we celebrate.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I just, I can't move past it uh, without just kind of drawing attention to it again. It, it, this last point that you made, and I was, man, I was shocked when I read that in there. And I, um, I kind of like marked it and just wrote wow next to it in the book. But uh, like you said, the book, When Harry Met Sally, was removed from Amazon. And the same because it was, uh, I guess, considered hate speech or you know not ideology that aligns with their values or that they want to promote. And it was a it was a book on transgenderism that talked negatively about it. Now I haven't read it, but from what I've heard, it's rather it's not like a a mean uh, casting hate this type of thing. It's actually just rather level headed, well reasoned argument as as far as the dangers of transgenderism. Uh, but even that was too much. And Amazon decided this is too bad. We can't allow this content to go out and therefore shut it down, canceled it, uh blocked it. But then in that same month, uh the book Technological Slavery, I believe is what it's called. Yeah, technological slavery, uh by Ted Krasinski, which was the unibomber, right, was uh being sent out in the form of emails Uh, advertisements to buy that book on Amazon, that it was available to buy and encouraging people to buy it. His ideology that led him to sending bombs all over the country um, is is wrapped up in, in his writings, which are readily available on Amazon. Not only that, they were promoting it. And yet, to speak a word against trans ideology, is to receive utter condemnation to be entirely banned. Right that tells you a little bit about where we stand in our culture today. If we stand on truth, that's where we stand. And it tells you where the cultural power lies. Right. It is not with us. It is not with the truth in this case, right. uh, but with this sort of extreme um, self uh, expression and expressive individualism.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and we can tie
0: this up by saying, look,
1: it's just clear. It's a time to be bold and to seek the truth. And when you, Stand on it. Speak it. Uh, we have to have it. We have to have it. It's needed.
0: I agree. Couldn't agree more. This is the time for Christians not to, um, in my opinion, take the Benedict option and just kind of pull away, uh, but rather stand firm in the truth, but do so in love, always speaking the gospel. Everything that we say uh, ought to find its foundation there. Um, and I know that, that that's kind of the tough thing, but um, if—, if the world around me knows me only as the guy who's anti-trans, then I think I've probably, I've missed the mark. Um, what I hope the world around me would would view me as, first and foremost, as a lover of Christ and and committed to the gospel. Um, that's, that's my hope, that's my aspiration. Uh, but a commitment to the truth of God's word will inevitably lead us to the truth of sexual binary. This has been Empires of the Future, and we will see you in the future.